Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. You'll be wowed by today's episode as Hilary Alger and Joy Longfellow of Johnny Seeds reveal the new flower introductions for 2024. Sometimes we're looking at what are the unique or special colors that maybe aren't available in every single series. There are a lot of Snapdragon varieties out there in the world. There are a lot of series and most series offer, you know, kind of a range of sort of classic. There's usually a white and a yellow and a couple of shades of pink and a red. Um, But then beyond that, they can kind of sometimes vary and some of them offer really special unique colors. So this is Con Light Bronze. This is an example of one that really jumped out in the trial just for that kind of cantaloupe color on the blooms with that little bit of blush pink on the edge of the florets. And I found this really beautiful and unique. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 640. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice. And I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com the free online directory to more than 750 florist shops and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S. supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S. grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to Cal Flowers, the leading floral trade association in California, providing valuable transportation and other benefits to flower growers and the entire floral supply chain in California and 48 other states. The association is a leader in bringing fresh cut flowers to the U.S. market and in promoting the benefits of flowers to new generations of American consumers. Learn more at CAFGS.org. Today's episode is like a floral runway show for growers and designers alike, and you'll be wowed by the new flower seed introductions for 2024, introduced by Hilary Alger and Joy Longfellow of Johnny's Selected Seeds. We're so happy to have such a long relationship with Johnny Seeds as a content partner and sponsor of the Slow Flowers Movement. And at this time of year, gardeners and flower farmers alike anticipate the arrival of Johnny's new catalog of seeds, seeds for backyard cutting gardens like mine and for larger acreage of our flower farmers who grow in rows, high tunnels and greenhouses. We invited Joy Longfellow and Hilary Alger, Johnny's Seeds floral experts, to introduce new flower seed varieties for 2024. They recently shared new blooms for farms and gardens in a Johnny's webinar. And then during last week's Slow Flowers member meetup, they took us behind the scenes to hear more about the dazzling, colorful selections of floral varieties and mixes available for 2024 gardens. We recorded this session to share with you on video and audio, so you'll want to get out your pen and paper to take notes. 
Learn why their favorite standouts are worth considering as we discuss growing cut flowers from seed. Hilary Alger has over 12 years of experience on Johnny's Seeds research team. She is currently the product manager for Flowers and Herbs. Joy Longfellow is the flower team technician at Johnny's, managing every aspect of Johnny's flower trialing program. Let's jump right in and get started and welcome Hillary and Joy to the Slow Flowers podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Slow Flowers Meetup for December. I'm Deborah Prinzing, founder of the Slow Flowers Society, and I'm delighted that you're joining us. We're going to have a very special presentation from Hillary Alger and Joy Longfellow of Johnny's Seeds. And it's fun to see some people who are not in the Slow Flowers community, but are in the gardening community who are here and want to hear about the new flower seed selections, um, introductions from Johnny's. So, I think we'll go ahead and get started, and I want to introduce our two guests. Let me bring them onto the screen. Hello, Hillary. Hi, Deborah. So, Hillary Alger is uh, the flower and herb manager at Johnny Seeds, and Joy Longfellow is her cohort and the flower trials manager. I hope I'm not butchering your titles too much, but you're you're the team. You're the flower team at Johnny's uh, pretty much, right? Or do you recruit other people to help you during the peak season? <clears throat> we, we have a little bit of help. We have some good helpers, but <laughs> yeah, we're um, Joy's managing most of the trialing and, and, and we work together on managing the program. Mm, that's great. And I've gotten to, I have visited the trial gardens and they're nothing short of overwhelmingly impressive. There's massive, you know, vegetable trials, of course. But then we, when I visited, we really focused on what was happening in the flower trials. There's two different fields you took me to. So there's multiple parcels, right? Yeah, we have, I think we have about 10 um, <clears throat> sort of different, we call them different farms. There are different fields around um, that we use for trialing, seed production, um, and breeding nurseries. Wow. And it's all in uh, in and around Winslow, Maine. So um, you guys, have you had your first snow yet? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we have. It's. I think it's about 12 degrees outside right now. Oh my um, gosh. That's why you're wearing that <laughs> nice cozy <yes>. scarf. <laughs> yeah. Well, well uh, I'll just by way of context, uh, Hillary and Joy taught a webinar for Johnny Seeds uh, last week. And when I knew that they were going to do this webinar on new flower seed production, new flower seed introductions, I asked them if they would come on and do kind of a behind the scenes, big deep dive um, for the Slow Flowers community because Johnny's is a longtime sponsor and partner with Slow Flowers. And I knew we could get like all the questions answered and get into, you know, some more um, juicy bits about some of these flowers. So especially like... Uh, you know, how how did they make this decision and, and what are what do you all think of these flowers? Because I think Hillary and Joy want to hear from um, our participants on what, what you think and what appeals to you about it. So it's a little bit of a slideshow and I think we'll go ahead and get started and we're recording this so everyone will have a chance to go back and watch. I will also put the link to last week's webinar and the PDF of the deck that, that was used last week. 
and the technical uh, growing information about Snapdragons in the chat, which you all can grab. And we'll also put that in our follow-up um, post about this. So uh, thanks for getting started. And um, if you have questions, please put them in the chat and we'll we'll have time to answer those um, after Hillary and Joy uh, walk us through this really love this is like a runway show okay this is our our spring runway show for cut flowers so thank you both so much for doing this and i'll let you take it away hillary great thanks <laughs> thanks for inviting us deborah we're always happy to chat with you and um us low flowers members so you can see my screen okay looks good yeah i love all those beautiful pansies it looks beautiful okay great so i think um Joy and I will kind of trade off and go through. Feel free to um, never ask any questions as we're going along. Yeah, I'll jump in if if I kind of have some questions and then um, maybe that'll trigger other people to jump into. Okay, cool. Well, this is um, this is just a little slide that shows um, some stats on the flower trialing. <clears> the <throat> Johnny's just to give it's a little bit of a, a bragging slide. Um, those numbers, those are Joy's numbers, you know, how many varieties trialed and how much bed feed. And, um, it's a little bit of a brag, but it also gives you hopefully a sense of, um, you know, how much effort, um, jo the Johnny's team and Joy, um, on flowers specifically puts into our trialing program and, um, how much we're committed to selecting uh, good varieties and providing good information. Um, so that's what that slide is about. And then we can we can jump right into varieties and, and Joy and I are going to trade off. So Joy has the first one here. Yeah. So um, hi, everybody. And thank you, Deborah, for having us. This is a, a really fun uh, opportunity just to talk about some great new varieties this year. So Kicking things off with delphinium, uh, we actually have a couple of delphinium varieties that we added to the assortment this year. And uh, this is the first one. This is Guardian Lavender. And um, just a, a couple notes about delphinium too. Um, these, are, these varieties are first-year flowering. This is a first-year flowering perennial. So you will get um, blooms off of in the typically in the uh, late spring, early summer from a spring planting on this. And then also um, typically we see a, a flush a little bit later in the fall as well. Mm. And so, Gorgeous. yeah, really, really beautiful varieties. They're such a classic um, kind of elegant and romantic flower. And um, we decided to add, we, we offer another series of delphinium, the Magic Fountain series, but the Guardian series, um, we decided to bring in a couple of varieties here just because of the, these are hybrid delphiniums. And so they offer a little bit more vigor at the seedling stage, and then also a little bit more uniformity um, in the plants. And we saw that uniformity come through, especially in the, um, as the plots flowered in the field. So, um, you know, when on some of the open pollinated varieties, you might see a little bit more variability when that plot comes into flower. Um, but with the guardian varieties, we saw them flowering pretty uniformly across the plot, which just makes it a little bit easier to harvest, a little more efficient and a little bit um, more dependable. And then there's just this really beautiful color too. The lavender 
I think is a good name, but hopefully you can see from the photos that there's also a little bit of blue on those uh, on those petals as well. Um, can you also mention the little icons at the bottom of the screen? Because I love that you included sort of extra features that people might want to know about. I think the ones we'll see today, um, the, the little pair of scissors means it's a great cut flower. Um, I think it's a little B icon means it's um, you know good for attracting beneficials or, or butterflies. Um, there'll be one that looks a bit like a perfume bottle to indicate their, the flowers are fragrant, and then a little fork and spoon for edible flowers. Mm, I love it. Well, this is a gorgeous one, and I'm always afraid of growing delphinium because I just, they look so tricky and like, you know, high profile, you know, only the pros can do it. But I love your advice, Joy, that these do bloom the first year. So uh, I'm going to give them a try. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, one, a couple of things to keep in mind about delphinium, they, um, they do, if you are starting them from seed, you might see some variability in the germination time across, even within the same variety. And, um, I think one thing that we've found really helpful is just keeping the, making sure that you're keeping the soil moist, um, and evenly wet. Uh, there's, there uh, the seed has kind of a hard seed coat. And so making sure um, that it's adequately moist during that whole time um, so that the so that it does get enough uh, water into that kind of hard seed coat, that's been helpful. Um, but also, yeah, that was once something that stood out about these guardian varieties. They did seem to germinate pretty uniformly. And then the vigor of those seedlings once they germinated was was really strong as well. Mm. Love it. So there's two different color color palettes in the Guardian, the the blue and the white. And the white, yeah, the white is a really nice one as well. And I, I hope that you can see on the photo here, one thing that stood out about this variety was um, on the unopened buds and then also on the opened florets too, there's just a little bit of green coloring, mm -hmm. which um, there's a, you know, the Magic Fountains, there's a white in that series as well that's more of a... Um, a really clean solid white but the i liked the almost that just that a little bit of green on these i thought it made it um a little bit interesting and also maybe a little bit more versatile in terms of um if you're you know using it in arrangement with other green foliages or things like that it it seemed to blend well mm, love it great if you have any comments or questions pop them into the chat and otherwise i guess we'll go to the next goodies the next oh. juicy flower <laughs> I'll just add, I'm, I'm sure it won't surprise your members, but um, the in, in delphinium, the white and that that really pretty pale blue or um, lavender blue are the most popular colors. Mm. Uh, we do have one quick question on the delphinium from David Brunton, and, and that is how do they do in the heat? Uh, obviously, Maine is not as hot as David's in the D.C. area and Maryland. Have you heard any feedback about that? Um, I, I think, you know, for delphinium, they are more of a cooler season crop. Um, and so they are probably going to in, you know, we see this in Maine and I think you would see this a little further south as well. They really, the plants kind of um, slow down and stop flowering kind of during that heat mm. of the summer. Mm. So they will, uh, you know, bulk up and grow really happily during the spring when it's a little bit cooler. They'll have their first flush of blooms and then they'll kind of just 
hold steady until uh, until the temperatures cool off again in the fall. And so I I would think that you know maybe just where he is the you know the they might flower just a little bit earlier and go into that kind of mm-hmm. summer slump a little bit earlier than we would see here. Um, but but, I think but then you they, made that you made that mention that there is usually a second flush. So is that kind of later in the fall? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Tip, yep. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Joy. Yeah. Sure. So I have the next one. Um, this is uh, <clears throat> a mix of echinacea. Um, it's a nice tall flowering mix. So a lot of the um, there's been a lot of interest in echinacea um, over the last maybe 10 years, I would say, and a lot of breeding work to develop varieties that are um, shorter, more compact for for gardens and for landscape. Um, and so there's a lot of varieties out there, but not not so many that are um, are a lot of varieties in in a range of colors, but not so many that are um, make really nice tall cuts. So we like this variety for its uh, really sort of um, diverse range of colors and for that extra bit of height for cut Mm. flowers. Mm -hmm. And Echinacea is just a classic perennial, um, very resilient in that it can um, withstand a little bit of uh, heat and drought. Um, Once they're established, they're really uh, pretty carefree and easy to grow. Um, And this, I hope you can see in this photo has some really lovely colors. Um, There's almost like a creamy mango in there that I think is my favorite color. Um, Uh, On mass like that, these are just stunning. And just that idea of more and more people being interested in kind of the meadow look or, or native plants you know this sort of fits those those kind of profiles of what we're here you know we hear from you know i think consumers they think of meadow flowers and or wildflowers they don't you know really know what that means and then we you know we have to kind of create the the answer to that question and i feel like these are just gorgeous they would check all the boxes yeah, and it, and just you know, as we're all facing um, varied weather challenges year to year, just having some uh, really resilient perennials in your back pocket is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Love it. And then David Brunton again asked, "Is it first year flowering?" Oh, this? sorry, it is. I should have mentioned that it is first year flowering. Um, and I think with most, like most first year flowering perennials, you'll get you know, some nice growth and some definitely some blooms in the first year, but it's that second year and beyond if the plants persist that you, that they really come into their own and you get a a higher level of productivity. This next variety is a new eucalyptus that we're excited about. Um, Eucalyptus is in really high demand for foliage use. And so we're, we're happy to share this new to us species. Um, There are hundreds of species of eucalyptus out there in the world. And um, really just a small subset of them are um, are used or known for cut flower foliage use. And so uh, we've been working to expand our assortment and kind of explore some different species for this really important crop. And uh, this, this particular one came out of that trialing work and it's really different 
visually from what you might think of as the classic sort of blue-green eucalyptus, but uh, we think it has a lot to offer. Mm. You can see a couple of the things that stood out. In this photo, hopefully you can see the um, the foliage color. So it's a really nice kind of sage green on the more mature leaves. And then at the tips of those branches, you can see a little bit more uh, red or burgundy coloring. And so the newer growth tends to have that, um, that color contrast, which is really nice. You can see a, a great close-up on this slide. Uh, you can see that red coloring. You can also see how the leaves sort of hang alternately off of those red stems. Another kind of nice color detail on this variety mm. that's a little different than the classic eucalyptus. Um, we've observed that that red coloring comes out, it becomes a little bit more apparent when the temperatures start to drop uh, in the in the fall. So eucalyptus for us, we usually have it in the field uh, through October and maybe even into November. And so this is a this is a great photo too, where you can see the habit of those plants. They're very upright and uh, definitely a tree-like habit. They were pretty fast growing for us this year, and um, just a yeah, a really fun addition. That's crazy. This is one-year growth that we're seeing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, a, and a and a rainy cold year that <laughs> rainy cold summer. So really yeah. vigorous. And actually, <clears throat> I have um. I hope you can see this. I happen to have some uh, a nice selection of eucalyptus from Joy's trial that she gave me. I dried in um, in glycerin, and then I have a stem of this of the teratocornus, and it dried quite differently than the um, the fresh color. It's a like a, a a bronzy kind of gold olive color. It's really wow. Quite that lovely. is gorgeous. I was going to say one other kind of uh, interesting thing about this variety or that I appreciated is that the um, the stems kind of strip or clean quite easily. So if you've harvested other eucalyptus varieties like Baby Blue or Silver Dollar, they sometimes have that gummy substance on the stems. And the, this variety doesn't have that. So I found the stems a little bit easier to, to clean and to work with. I think we're all going to be trying this one. Um, Joy, a couple questions. Uh, Beth Benjamin is asking, do the less mature-leaved branches flop when cut? Because I know you trial everything as a cut as well. Mm -hmm. um, so we we kind of use the same harvesting guidelines for mature, for this variety as for the other eucalyptus varieties and that we wait to harvest until the stems are woody. And so when you cut them, you can see kind of a woody layer around the the outside of the stem. And so in general, if they're harvested at that stage, they seem to hold up really nicely. If you are harvesting, you know, kind of from the very tops of the plant or the very young foliage, they, um, they don't tend to rehydrate quite as well. But um, we found, yeah, when harvested at that kind of woody stem stage, uh, they hold up really nicely in a vase. My other question is, how many different eucalyptus did you trial this season or in the last few seasons to to get to this choice? Because um, like you said, there's so many on the, available to work with. Oh, that's a really good question. I think um, each of the last couple of years, we've had anywhere between 30 to 50 different eucalyptus wow. in trial. Um, and there, this is a crop that... Um, 
for us, it it takes up a lot of time in the field. So we plant in May and then at least for us in zone five, you know, we're not harvesting off of these until uh, they don't start to get woody um, and are harvestable until in August into September. And then we leave them into the field for in the field until after frost to evaluate them for frost tolerance. So our, um, that our farm team is usually trying to hustle and get the fields cleaned up, but, um, and you're like, There's don't always, cut those yet. <laughs> yeah, it's like, please leave the eucalyptus. Please don't take the eucalyptus. And then usually by the time we're finished with the trial, we have trees like this that the the farm um, has to f- kind of figure out a way to to remove or to, <laughs> to manage. <chip>. So, <laughs> yeah. One last question is a uh, one uh, David asked is that he he said he had fun trying out the willow peppermint eucalyptus from Johnny's last season. Is that still in the rotation for 2024? It, it is not. So okay. All right. It's not. Um, we, uh, the source we have for that, we found it to be a little bit, um, a little bit shorter than we'd like to see. And so we're looking into some um, replacements for willow peppermint that would have that same look, but um, provide more productivity okay. um, to be a little bit more vigorous and tall. So we're hoping to have, we hope keep, uh, be patient with us. We hope to have something um, to fill that slot. Yeah, he's agreeing. He said it was pretty short. Okay. That Great. must be a little heartbreak. It must be a little heartbreaking when you have to sort of uh, retire or cancel <laughs> something that you loved, but it just wasn't performing at, at the you know at the level you want. It is, but if if we know that we can um, we can beat it, we can get something better. Then yeah. uh, that makes it quite a bit easier. So great. Before we go on, Hillary, were you going to say something else about this eucalyptus? I might have cut you off. I'm sorry. I was just going to tease Joy and say that what she was trying to say about the eucalyptus trial is she only has 50, but she'd love to have a whole forest, but um, we won't let her. (laughs) She's only trying 50. Okay. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yay. This is neat. Oh, yeah. This is one just kind of a... um, a fun sort of comparison photo of some of the um, different eucalyptus species that we've brought in over the last couple of years that have a different appearance again than what you might think of as the classic blue-green eucalyptus. And on the far left is the newest ad, the eucalyptus teratocornis. And then there's just a few others here for for contrast. Mm, Fun. And these are all available. Yes, either, well, either available or or soon available soon oh. should be available. Okay. okay. Yeah, we, we are waiting for a new seed crop on some of these. Okay. So stay tuned. Yeah. Um, so I have the next one. Um it's <clears throat> Chantilly Light Salmon. Um we I think you know many of your members would be quite familiar with the Chantilly series. It's pretty famous for those open face flowers that look uh, almost have like a little bit of a gladiola look to them. Um, and also it's one of the earliest, one of the earliest series to flower. Um, but this light salmon is um, new to Johnny's and it's quickly become the most popular of the series. And you can, I, you know, you can see why it's that super soft um, peachy apricot color that just plays so nicely with <laughs> many other color palettes. 
Before we started, we were talking about the Pantone color of the year. And lo and behold, Debbie Middleman has already weighed in and said this one hits the Pantone color of the year peach fuzz. So we're you're on trend, Hillary and Joy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think the photo says it all. I will um just note for folks about growing this one. It's a group one, two, so really meant for cool season growing. <clears throat> Depending on where you are, that's overwintering or um, winter or really early spring. And the reason for that is that um, they're really fast growing plants. And in that in those cool periods, um, they do quite well. But in the summer, they grow a little bit. They grow and flower a little bit too fast. So you end up with thin stems um, or short plants. So these ones are really meant really bred for and 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 best suited to um, cool season production. Beautiful. Now we have <clears throat> a little um, slug of snapdragons to work through. <laughs> yeah. So I'll... Um, You've got I'll a lot of snapdragons. That's like your <laughs> biggest category this, this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, definitely. Looking for, yeah, looking forward to meeting them. <laughs> um, so for the for the snapdragons, you know, as a crop, they're um, a really versatile crop, and both from a growing perspective and from a you know the end user or the design perspective, there's uh, versatility on a couple different levels. And from a growing perspective, the snapdragons have. Um, you know, Hillary was mentioning a little bit about the groups and the growing environments. Uh, there's a lot of breeding in snapdragons. And because of modern breeding, there are snapdragons that have been bred to perform under kind of a wide range of conditions, whether you're growing in under lower light and lower temperature conditions, maybe in um, the shoulder seasons or the winter or under a in a tunnel, or if you're growing in a, you know, in an open field or a garden under higher heat and higher light conditions, there are snapdragon groups that are better suited for those environments. And so um, when we think about offering a good assortment um, with snapdragons, especially we're thinking about um, how can we offer a range of varieties that would allow growers to grow snap and offer snapdragons locally to their markets for as many um, months of the year as possible. And so with this Costa series, um, that's an example of adding a series there that um, that are they're probably not they probably they don't have they're a group two so they won't have their optimal performance in the high heat and light of a you know a main summer field slot but they're really well suited for growing under a little bit cooler temperatures and lower light conditions and they'll um, even under those conditions. These Costa varieties will um, they'll form a really high quality flower and a sufficient stem length in those environments. So we've added several varieties from the Costa series, and that's what's on the starting with this Costa white, um, and then we have several more colors on the following slides. So there's a Costa light rose, a really nice light pink, um, stunning. A little bit of a darker pink option. So this is Costa Rose. And then 
and even dark, almost more of a cherry pink. This is Costa Deep Rose, so more saturated colors. And then the last one rounding it out is uh, Costa Velvet, so a really beautiful deep red. So, oh my gosh, these are stunning. <laughs> I, a couple questions before we wrap up that Costa series. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, someone asked, how do you describe this flower type if it's not a Chantilly? Is there a different description mm -hmm. that you use? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question, a great distinction. So um, the Chantilly type has that open-faced flower. Um, this is more, I don't know if there's a an actual term for this other than the like classic or standard mm -hmm. snapdragon where it has mm -hmm. um you know it's a it's a single floret it doesn't have a double like the if you're familiar with like the madam butterfly series that's a an even an, an even different flower form where there's a double bloom but this is just the like the classic true um, snap true snapdragon yeah. yeah would you hillary would you agree or yeah it's <laughs> anything you'd add to that <laughs> It's the one where you you pinch the corners of the mouth there. Yes. And the, <laughs> I see Beth doing that. Yeah, snapdragon <laughs> opens up. Um, when you do with but, with children to show them that it's snapping, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah someone else asked: did, Were these all grown outside, or were they undercover when you when you trialed them? Um, so the we the Costa series were grown. Let's see, both both undercover. So we planted them in our spring tunnel planting, um, kind of they're what we would describe as probably the ideal slot for them. Um, we planted in March and they flowered um, end of May, beginning of June. But we also trialed them in our field plantings as well. And, you know, when possible, we try to trial things in as many environments, growing environments as we can on the farm so that we can observe for, you know, for crops like snapdragons where there is a response to day length and temperature so that we can really understand the best environment for it. So the, the Costa series did get planted in the field. They did flower in the field, but they were definitely a little bit shorter in that field slot compared to how they performed in the in the tunnel where right. it was a little cooler. So good feedback. Those are stunning. Everybody's loving the colors. Okay. So uh the next one is um Avignon pink. And um we have this slide here and then we have a comparison side that kind of shows where it sits in the um, in the spectrum of pinks. Um, so uh, Costa Silver, that first one has been um, has been the blush pale pink um, Snapdragon for us for quite a while, um, and it seem might seem like a subtle distinction, but the Avignon Pink just has a little bit more um, oomph in terms of color and joy and I were really drawn to that, um, that just a little bit brighter, a little bit more saturated color for, um, spring bouquets. So the, um, though the Costa silver is very lovely and special, um, it is really pale and can, um, if you try to pair it with some colors that are, um, a bit brighter or more saturated, it can almost wash out and read as white. Um, so the Avignon pink um, just adds a little bit more um, depth of color. I think especially as um, I'd be interested to hear what folks have to say maybe after, but as we see color palettes become a little bit more rich and bright and playful, 
I think this is a nice one to to tort, sort of try and see um, you know how folks like it. It's still really soft, but it does have enough brightness. And there's and there's also something about it. Joy described it as like a porcelain look, which I think is a, a really nice way hmm. to say it. Um, so this uh, Joy Joy talked about group twos. This is a group two, um, also really meant for cool season growing. Um, so moving into a, a couple, we have a couple of different orange shaded snapdragons that we're that we're offering. And this is an, a, these next two varieties um, are an, another example of kind of how we think about our select varieties for the assortment. So sometimes we are adding, you know, series like the Costa series to round out what's available to grow over the whole course of the season or wanting to make sure that there are options in kind of the classic or standard colors um, for people to grow, you know, as many months of the year as they're able. And, um, but then sometimes we're looking at what are the um, unique or special colors that maybe aren't available in every single series. Most, there are a lot of Snapdragon varieties out there in the world. There are a lot of series and most series offer, um, you know, kind of a range of sort of classic. There's usually a white and a yellow and a couple of shades of pink and a red, um, but then not all of them, you know, beyond that, they can kind of sometimes vary and some of them offer really special unique colors. So this variety right here, this is uh, Con Light Bronze. And so this is an example of one that really jumped out in the trial just for the that kind of cantaloupe color on the blooms with that little bit of blush pink on the edge of the florets. And I um, found this really, just really beautiful and unique in terms of that color combination. It's a little bit softer than kind of the standard orange Snapdragon. And um, it it also stood out just for the quality of the blooms, the uniformity of them. And um, they seem to pretty consistently present a really nice, elegant flower spike. Um, yeah. One of the things that we look at is the, you know, did the florets, are they spaced out very widely along the stem or do they, are they nice and contained? Is it a balanced bloom? And these really, this variety kind of ticked all those boxes. I think from a design point of view too, Joy, this this is such a, a beautiful blender. It can go with a cool palette because of the pink. It can go it certainly go with a hotter, warmer palette because of the salmon and the melon. And so it's just like the you said versatile. It's like that's exactly what I thought. Like it it, it could go in any arrangement you make for the whole summer. It's that mm -hmm. kind of perfect. Definitely, yeah. I I really fell in love with this variety. This might be my favorite variety that we added this year. Uh, and it's a one other note, it, it is a group three, so it's um, really well suited for the higher light, higher temperature conditions that you would find just in a, you know, a typical outdoor kind of summer growing season. Mm -hmm. So, And then this next one is another orange, kind of going to the other side of the, the orange spectrum. This is a much more saturated color with um, really more coral and rose and orange shades showing up here, much less of the gold coloring. So in, um, again, in kind of more classic or standard orange snapdragons, there's often some gold coloring on the florets and this didn't have as much of that. And so seemed unique in that respect as well. Um, again, another group three option. So good for, good for kind of main season, um, summer field or garden growing. 
And then this this slide I wanted to put in here because it can show um, maybe some of the challenges or the um, around naming or understanding color <laughs> uh, between. <laughs> Different varieties and series, not all orange or not all bronze snapdragons are created the same. Um, and so this is just a snapshot of uh, four mm -hmm. different snapdragon varieties from four different series. And uh, to kind of to show the differences between them on the far left is Monaco orange, which is the most saturated and least gold coloring of all of them. Potomac orange is the next one where you can really see that pop of gold on those florets. And then Opus Early Bronze is, it's not a new variety, but it's in here for comparison. And mm. it's, um, it definitely, I think bronze is a good name for this variety because it definitely has more of that orange and gold, less of the pink or rose. And then on the far right is the the newest one, the Kion Light Bronze, which you can hopefully see is, you know, visually a really different kind of color palette than the mm. Opus Early Bronze. but. Mm. It's really helpful. People are really appreciating the side-by-side -side, um, slides because um, it just gives you a point of reference. Like, okay, this is the spectrum, and it's pretty pretty broad. Yeah. We we that's a good comment. We do um, our best to capture things as accurately as we can in in photographs. But you, the the varieties are photographed on different days, under different light, maybe a little bit different exposure. So you really, um, it's really hard to compare, you know, side by side based on the photo, but having them all in one um, shot. Yeah. On the same setting. Can be I really love cool. it. I think we'll, we'll do more of that in the future. That's a happy day at the farm when you get to do those photos, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so this is a good example. These are two photos of the same variety taken, you know, at different points in time and the, and the color um, looks quite a bit different, I think, just based on the light and exposure. Um, but this is another group three, uh, so pretty versatile, great for summer growing, um, could, could also be grown um, in the spring or fall, would just take a little bit longer to bloom. Um, it's Opus Lavender. Mm. So Lavender for us, um, and maybe for your members, is one of the most popular colors in Snapdragon, and so we try to have, um, try to try to fill all the slots with lavender. Um, mm. And this one, <clears throat> this one's really nice. Uh, also, like Joy mentioned, a really tight, um, full, compact um, bloom column. So you can see there's almost no spaces between those florets. It's a nice chunky. Chunky bloom, um, and the color is really, uh, really quite nice. So it's lavender, but it, it's um, for us. We've observed it to be sort of the smokiest, um, most dusty lavender color of the of the snapdragons we've grown. So we really like this one. Pretty. Okay, we're out of snapdragons. Never fear. There's some good stuff coming. <laughs> So this next set of uh, varieties are all from the same series of stock. This is a, a brand new series that is uh, new into the world this year. So they're called stocks with the capital X at the end of the word. Um, and these are, uh, we're 
we're just really excited about the colors on these three new varieties that we've added. And you can, I'll say a couple, just a couple things about the series in general that they have um, really nice, sturdy stems and a quite upright plant habit. And so you can hopefully see from the photo here, those that bunch is held uh, a little bit diagonally, but you can see how those stems are kind of staying in that nice straight line and not bending or um, or not kind of flexing or falling. So that's, um, if you've grown series like the iron series, they're similar to the iron series in terms of their habit and the stem strength and quality. Um, they don't have the movement that um, varieties like the the cats series have. So those have do have a little bit more of the movement, but we liked the the sturdiness of the stems and the uniformity of the plants and then the colors as well. Jeez, gorgeous. Um this this type of breeding is it did it do you know why it happened? Because I know that in the past some designers do pinch off the tips of um traditionally you know traditional forms of stock because they want they don't like the tip is that is that sort of what this is looks like is that someone's gone in and pinched out the tip do you have any I idea think, <laughs> i think deborah some of the depending on um the variety and when the um when and where the environment the they're grown under they can just like snapdragons, they can elongate quite a bit more. And mm. so sometimes you can almost see it a little bit of it in the photo on the right there. Sometimes that those blooms um they'll elongate at the top. And it can make, I think, you know, more or less for all stock, less for some of these ones that have really compact um bloom spikes. But the growing conditions can cause that elongation. It. it can Got be it. a little bit awkward in bouquets, so I can see why they would be pinched out. But how nice to have this variety that's already kind of giving you that denser, compact, fluffy form mm -hmm. as is. It's gorgeous. Yeah, we kind of fell in love with this uh, series and these colors. So this first color is uh, Antique Rose. You can see a really nice warm, kind of rosy, uh, even almost a little bit brown uh, coloring on these blooms. And it has a little bit of uh, gold or peach just at the center of those florets. Mm. And then the next variety is champagne. And these are fun. These have a little bit more pronounced peach and gold at the center. And then pink around the edges they almost have a bicolor look to these blooms and this is these are really unique they definitely stood out i haven't seen a a variety like this with this color pairing before gorgeous and then the last one is uh stocks rose pink so this one reads just a little bit cooler it doesn't have the gold or the peach at the center of the florets it has um if anything you'll see a little bit of white at the center so Still that kind of dusty rose, but a little bit on the cooler side of the palette. Mm. And I'll, I'll just add that um, there are a few uh, varieties on the market that that are somewhat similar to these colors. Um, vintage brown. I think I have a slide on vintage brown is one that's somewhat similar, but quite a bit darker. <clears throat> um, but 
but there's nothing, the colors are, are sort of totally new. Um, there's nothing else that's exactly comparable in color. So really kind of an, ex, you know, it's not too often that um, we have a year where there's, you know, new colors coming in in, in a classic cut. And so we, we get to be really excited about these. Oh my God, you're right. These are just so arresting. To st- I can't stop staring at them. <clears throat> And I do notice that on all almost all of these, the there's the edible icon and the uh, the fragrance icon. So these have uh, they they've got to check all the boxes yeah. of what a good cut flower can be for a grower. Definitely, yeah. These are these are pretty versatile as well. And uh, I have this this last slide here is to show just kind of where these new colors compare to some of the current varieties that. Um, that listeners might already be familiar with. So on the far left is vintage brown. And then that's the most, that's the most saturated kind of of these um, dusty rose or um, plum colored blooms. So that's the darkest. And then next, just a few sta- shades lighter is the stocks antique rose. Right in the middle is the rose pink where you can see it it has it's a little bit cooler with the white centers. The stock champagne starts to go a little bit more peach or apricot. And then on the far right as a as a comparison is iron apricot where um, that peach is more pronounced. So mm. again, just kind of helping to hopefully uh, compare and show where <laughs> these colors fit. I mean, just order them all. why why have to choose one, right? <laughs> Hillary and I were debating when we started blooming in the trial. We we're like, oh, they're, you know, they're quite similar. They're similar to the vintage brown or to the apricot, but they're also beautiful and and all kind of unique in their own way. And and so we chose them all too. So. <laughs> Love it. Love it. We had to have all of them. <laughs> Good job. Um, we have a couple more stock slides. This one, um, so not a new color, just a classic white. But um, it's special in that <clears throat> early era white that um, most stock, when you purchase a packet of seed, you're going to get um, about 50 or 55% double flowering plants and about um, 40, 45%, not sure, maybe I said that wrong, um, uh, single flowering plants. Um, and this one, if you really need or or love the doubles it produces uh, 90% or more mm. flowering stems or, or plants mm. um so i think you know it, at least historically the doubles have been really important for florists they're just you know quite a bit more full um and fluffy <clears throat> singles are still useful for adding like whimsy and fragrance to bouquets but um the doubles have been sort of where it's at so, um, <clears throat> what you said when we were talking about this beforehand, and I was trying to understand that you said it, it it's really useful because you, a grower can then harvest the doubles and sell them a little bit higher premium for mm-hmm. florists, but the singles still look gorgeous in mixed bouquets or more market bouquets, and so it sort of gives you a you know that choice. But this particular selection has a much higher percentage of doubles, is what you're saying? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So if it's the doubles you're after, um, this can be really helpful in terms of space saving. Um, and 
yeah, it's also it's also fragrant um, and edible and um, has really, as Joy mentioned, similar to the Iron series, has really straight, uniform, sturdy stems. Um, really nice for harvest, efficient harvest and packing. Um, if and Joy also said, if you if you if a little more movement is what you want, then the uh, um, Cat series is a good one. And that series uh, has a wide range of colors including a, a high double white. Mm. These doubles or these arrows, um, Beth asks, if she's read, it's not, it, it's advised to not thin out the larger ceilings as they, ceilings as they tend to be singles. Is that something you've experienced, Joy, in trial? I'm not sure about, so usually um, if you are looking to like, there are some series of stocks where you can select at the seedling stage based on visual differences in the seedlings for single or double flowering plants. Um, my experience is that that has been more to do with the, a difference in color in the seedling. So a lighter or a darker um, color corresponding to the, um, to the double or the single flowering plants. Um, sometimes there can be uh, like maybe a difference in in vigor, but I have, I've seen that more described in terms of color. I don't know, Hillary, do you have anything to add? I think that's largely accurate. There are, I've seen it noted, there could be difference in vigor and then also difference in the shape of the cotyledon, but that seems quite inconsistent um, with what we've seen. Mm -hmm. just, just what you said, Joy, the color is kind of the thing to look for. And just one more question, because I know we're we're going to wrap up here. Um, we have a few more juicy flowers to see, so I'm, I'll stop interrupting you. But Carrie is asking, what is the space? What spacing is advised for the double varieties? I usually plant two to three per six inch square. I, I hope I'm asking that question correct. Um, is the spacing? I mean, because this is a mix, you really don't know when you plant it, right? Right. Unless you're doing, yeah, the select. I would say, you know, for for growing purposes, the double flowering plants don't really take up a whole lot more space um, as they're mm -hmm. blooming than the, the single flowering ones. And so it, we typically would do the same space, spacing. We do six by six inch spacing, but I also know that growers do, you know, it sounds like what this person is describing, like a couple, even a couple plants per six inch cell or yeah. between, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that seems consistent with- okay. Okay, um, we are running out of time, I think, so we'll try to talk a little faster. This is not a new variety, but um, just a little bit of an update that it, I thought um, people might want to know about. So that vintage brown stock that we sort of mentioned throughout this little stock segment um, and probably folks are familiar with has been, um, the color has been updated a bit. So the color at the center used to be um, more of a pale pink or a <clears throat> or a white, um, just that little splash of color at the very center. And it's been updated to show a little bit more gold or um, like a peachy gold color. And it just gives the, um, the overall flower just a little bit more of a warm glow. Mm. And we've trialed it uh, for a couple of years now and the performance um, there's no change in performance is very consistent, but that just had a little bit of shift in color and we think, you know, makes it even that much more nicer um, 
gorgeous, really rich. Mm. Uh, we have a couple um, straw flower and just, you know, really quickly, uh, just a couple color additions to what we already offer. This is a bright um, hot pink, um, really nice summer color. And then we have um, this red. We have a couple uh, different reds in the assortment already. This one's different in that it's um, a deeper, uh, more sort of burgundy brick red, um, really nice color for fall arrangements. Gorgeous. Um, rich red. And <clears throat> both of these, the color on both of these dry really well. Mm. All right. Well, um, we have a couple of really nice branching sunflower varieties that we've added to that are, I'll talk um, briefly about both of them. This first one is Desert Sun. And um, this is a, a nice, tall plant, densely branching habit. But the thing that really stood out in trial um, was the sturdiness of the stems. And so if you've grown branching sunflowers, you might have observed that sometimes the stems tend to be a little bit more flexible or have more movement to them. This one had a really upright habit. And um, I found the stems quite sturdy and easy to harvest or easy to clean and process. And then they just really support those blooms really nicely. And then in addition to those things, the color of these was so striking in the field, that really strong contrast between the lemon on the outer edge and then the dark red around the disc um, mm. made just really made this one kind of a winner. Um, and then the next variety, Summer Lovin', is another really beautiful bicolor sunflower. And then this one... Compared to Desert Sun, you can see from the photos, there's a little bit more of a range in the color palette on the blooms, so bicolor blooms, but a little bit of a fun um, range, a little bit more lemon and some softer colors in there. Also has a really vigorous, tall, uh, densely branching habit. It flowers a little bit earlier than Desert Sun, and so could be a good pairing, um, seeding both at the same time and getting a little bit of a succession of bicolor blooms. Um, and I think the last slide is just a, a quick comparison of um, the two new ones along with a, a one that's been in the assortment for a while on the left is Strawberry Blonde, mm, which has yeah. a little bit of that sort of moodier palette and then Desert Sun in the middle, and some are loving on the right-hand side. I love that comparison. I want them all. You can, oh, you there can you go. have a nice um, <laughs> seed them all and have an extended <laughs> bicolor sunflower harvest. So. I love it. <laughs> okay, I think this is the last one. So I guess we, we are doing well. Um, this is a pansy. And I'll, I'll say, I think when, um, you know, we trial pansies, pretty much exclusively for um, cut flower quality. So um, for us, we need to overwinter them in a greenhouse um, for spring blooms to get the stem length <clears throat> that's needed for cuts. Um, and I think we've been trialing pansies for cuts for about four or five years. And when we first started, um, you know, I was, I think we both were a little bit skeptical about um, what sort of quality we might uh, encounter. 
Um, and we've been really impressed um, overall with pansies for cuts. The stems are surprisingly tall and durable. Um, the blooms add really nice fragrance to spring bouquet. And um, you, just that little bit of frilly greenery um, does really kind of help fill out um, bouquets <laughs> with tulips or anemone and ranunculus. So we've been really impressed. Um, and we're uh, working to um, source more varieties that work for cut flowers in that slot. And so this is a nice one, um, a really wide range of colors, but it's not, you know, too loud. Um, and we found it to have really nice stems for cuts. Mm, pretty. And this is just a, a shot to show a little bit better the color range. And then um, the stems are long. Yeah, long and thick. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, you guys, this has been so beautiful. Is that the last slide? I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, first of all, this yeah. is just so impressive and you were just so generous with your knowledge to share. Um, lots of lots of good chatter in the in the chat. A couple questions about availability. Um, okay. someone asked when the you it, is everything we looked at today available for order now? So mostly, um, so this, the way this cycle works is we um, typically add a slug of new things to the website in November and the catalog. Um, at that time, sometimes we're still waiting for new crops of seed. And we, we try to have every, as much in stock um, for advertising the new catalog and website as we can, but um, often we're still waiting and so for most things, there really shouldn't be anything that's sold out at this point, but we might have things that we're still waiting on. I see. So the, do you, do you put, can you have a back order on those or how, what do you recommend uh, with just the ordering system? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little bit of a mix. So some things, um, if we're quite certain that we're going to, going to receive the seed within a month or two months, we'll, um, we'll set them up so you can. Uh, enter a back order. But if it's going to be a little bit later than that, um, or we have, um, we're a little bit <clears throat> unsure about the exact date, we, uh, they will show us out of stock. We won't, um, we won't allow a back order until we have some really good information about when we're going to yeah. get Because you want, you don't want people to be frustrated on that. Part. Exactly. Yeah. We um, try. <laughs> um, I will just pop up on the, um, on the website uh, of Johnny's website, if you go to it here, because not everything is necessarily in the catalog. So if you go to flowers and you select new for 2024, there's a lot more than we saw today. And you can um, see some, like we didn't talk about the zinnias because they're more for, for the home gardener, but there's other varieties of straw flower and um snaps and you just keep getting this lovely choice of choose 12 more and then there's more so um do you want to just talk a little bit about the difference between the on what's available online and versus uh if people have received the catalog yeah so um thanks deborah there um there's definitely always more online than the catalog um unfortunately we're we're sort of limited by space in the paper catalog. What we really need is our own flower catalog. I hope uh, someday, you know, maybe that'll happen. Um, but the website is really the place to find 
all the new things because we, you know, there's unlimited space on a website. Yeah. Um, we're also, um, like I mentioned, we do try to um, launch all the new products in November, but we're also, you know, there's things we're still working on or things that the seed just comes a little bit later. So we're uh, constantly, there's also a constant trickle of new things throughout the year. And I will say, if you subscribe to the Johnny's newsletter, which you can do on the website, you'll get, you know, frequently, uh, you know, updated details and fun stories, including some that I write for Johnny's and we're working on right now, working on a story right now about edible flowers. So um, that's another way for people to get sort of up to the date information about new new introductions, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been fun and so in in I mean, people are just putting funny comments in the chat about like they're they're filling up their their shopping cart right now as we talk on the Johnny's website. So look forward to a little blitz of of flurry of orders, I think, especially for that stock series. Uh you you two are so knowledgeable and I so appreciate all that you shared. And um before we wrap up, Joy and Hillary said that they're going to put together one special collection of 2024 flower seeds that one of our uh, participants will receive. And we'll do a drawing on Monday and let you know. So that could become sort of an early holiday gift. But um, if you um, if you've put your name in the chat and let me know that you're here, I will send you um, this trio of seeds that um, some of you may have already received from our survey thank yous, but um, I'd love to share because Johnny's is so generous. They, I have a little shoebox full of extra Cosmos, Calendula, and Straub flower seeds. So look for those in the mail too. And um, I thank you all for joining us. Um, our next meetup will be the second uh, Friday in January. And um, we don't have the speaker lined up yet. So just look for that announcement in the Slow Flowers newsletter. And I wish you all a very happy holiday season and Get those seed catalogs, you know, cozy by the fire and make your plans. And um, I think we're all going to have a lot of fun growing some of these varieties next year. So thank you so much, Joy and Hillary. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Thanks, Deborah. Bye. Thanks, Deborah. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can visit slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 640 to find our show notes and watch the replay video. In the show notes, you'll find links to Johnny's November New Flower Seeds webinar, including a PDF of the slide presentation and a link to the very useful text sheet for Snapdragon production. I'll also share social media places for Johnny's and Hillary and Joy so you can get to know them better. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Store It Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. You'll save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the CoolBot system and an air conditioner. If you don't have time to build your own, they also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. Are you coming to Banff for the 2024 Slow Flower Summit? There's not much time left to reserve your discounted ticket and take advantage of our early bird registration rate. You'll save $100 off your Slow Flower Summit registration now through December 31st. Find the link to more details in our show notes or head over to slowflowersummit.com 
I can't wait to see you in Banff, Alberta, Canada, June 23rd through 25th, 2024. Our next thank you goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. I love all this floral goodness, and I am so happy you joined me today. The Slow Flowers podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than 1 million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week.